Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. My old stomping grounds, Evan. Uh, upstate New York, Albany, New York. Yeah. Uh, there was there was this mall that we used to go to when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Kid? Teenager. Probably teenager. Crossgates Mall. <laughs> Anything under 60 is a kid yeah, now. It, so. really, it really is. <laughs> I, it made the Wall Street Journal. Uh, oh, cool. Cross, Crossgates Mall made the Wall Street Journal. This is, you know, I grew up around Albany. Uh, wait a minute. Um, Come on. Can he, does he get, will he get oh, it? Will gosh. he get it? Will he get it? Yes. Uh, it's, they're like worried about going into default. There's a there you go. corporation. Nailed that, it. Yeah. Nailed it. Yes. Yeah. Carl Icahn. Yes, I have that article. Do you have that article? Did <laughs> you really? That's fun. That's funny. Well, that what did you? Uh, so, so the the idea. Those of you that don't know, uh, real estate investment trust, big hot investment item about ten years ago. I guess there were people trying to sell this stuff like crazy, trying to sell it like hotcakes, and the uh, brokers, advisors, and you know, good commissions on them. You know, yeah. and uh, and one of the things that I did twenty something years ago is I used to sit in workshops for limited partnerships, real estate limited partnerships, and and you know, and these yeah. types of things. And I couldn't get my head wrapped around whether it was a really good idea, but it was brilliant. This way, the way this one guy used to market them. Uh huh. He'd be like, "Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to put this amount of money in a real estate investment trust or a limited yep. partnership or uh -huh. something like that." And it's going to kick off income. And here's how much it's going to kick off, 8 9%, you know, whatever. It was uh -huh. a really high interest rate right. you know, for the time. This is 20 years ago. I mean, yield. that was like, yes, yield. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I've been, I've, I've been schooled. <laughs> yes, you're correct, yield. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, because you're getting paid rent, you're not getting paid interest. Okay. So uh, anyway, the... The thing that you were concerned about, of course, as an investor, is that you would have to pay taxes on that yield. Correct. <laughs> yeah. And then I yeah, said, so, well, what, what are we going to do about that? Well, we're going to have an oil and gas limited partnership. Uh -huh. And the oil and gas limited partnership, I mean, we need fuel. So what we're going to do is we're going to buy this and you're going to get tax credits for investing this type of stuff. And the tax credits that you get for investing in these partnerships are going to offset the interest that you're going to get from, right. and you know, from a if you listen to it from a financial stand, financial planning standpoint, it it sounds like a win win win, right? Wow, <laughs> yeah, man, it what's, sounds. What's not to like? Yeah, what's not to like about that? I'm making money and hosing the government at the same time. Sure. So yeah, you, so you have that, and then what you would do? This one guy would teach. You would take the yield uh -huh. from the real estate investment trust, and you would buy variable life insurance. With it. Oh, no, that's a new twist. Okay. So what that basically is for so those who don't know. So you'd use those distributions to pay the premium on your life. That's correct. Whoa. That's correct. That's pretty creative. Oh, it was very creative. And, and then what would happen is <laughs> then, of course, part of your premium goes to pay for life insurance. But when you're young, it's extremely low cost. Right. You know, because it's term insurance. Uh, typically, though, in those variable products, the term insurance was overpriced. It really got down to it. And I, I asked, remember asking the question, why is it so stinking expensive? You know, the, the yeah. insurance in these, and, and one person explained it to me, he says, well, he says, we have so much in terms of having to deal with securities regulation and that, 
they have to charge more just to make ends meet. I would which actually believe sense. that. It just yeah. made some sense. It did. It made some sense to me. So um, then what happens is anything above the cost of the term insurance, you would be putting money into uh, basically glorified mutual funds. Right. And yeah. Then, and then they wouldn't be taxed. And then what would happen is as time gets goes on, you go to withdraw money and your, your money comes out last in, first out. Mm-hmm. You know, so whatever your gains were, that comes out. Or no, excuse me. First in, first out. Excuse me. I said that I was thinking in, in terms of annuities. It's the opposite. Oh, of, it's the opposite of annuities. Oh, that so it must have been in. an older strategy if it was first in, first out. Well, so with with life insurance, what happens? I'm talking about the life oh, insurance. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what happens is you get your premiums back first. So yep. you know. So what ends up happening? That comes out, and that comes out tax free. Then what happens is you get to the gains. And when you get to the gains, if you just yank them out, you have to pay taxes on it. If you're under 59 and a half, you can have penalties. As At ordinary income rates. At ordinary income. capital gains rates. That's right. Yeah. So the higher rates of the different types of rates you can have from a tax perspective. So what you would do instead is you would actually borrow the money. And you would borrow the money, and then they would – some of the more creative contracts did what were called wash loans – so a wash loan is they're going to charge you 6% to borrow your money, and then they would credit back 6 as if your money were still there. And you go, well, why would they do that? Well, it was a tax thing. You know, so they could get away with this because technically what they considered it, rightly so, was that it was an advance on the death benefit. Now, life insurance death benefits are tax-free. You know, so when you put money into a life insurance policy and you get a death benefit, there is no tax on that death benefit pay, payout. And same for in term insurance or any type of life insurance. So since it was an advance, you're actually part of your death benefit. Now, this is sometimes improperly taught. Some people, yeah. you know, what they'll say is, oh, well, you know, with life insurance, what happens is you get the cash value and the insurance company keeps your cash value when you die. That's just wrong. And I won't say who teaches that <laughs> It doesn't really matter. It's, it's been very widely taught by a lot of different people. So let's say you have a $500,000 life insurance policy and you have built up cash value, which is your premium payments that were not used for life insurance costs, but went into the savings aspect, plus the returns that they earned being in whatever investments they earned. Let's say that that grew to 200000 and you had an option A death benefit. There we go. Now, here's what happens <laughs> is you, when you die, well, your heirs get the $500,000. They are technically getting that $200,000 back plus $300,000 of pure life insurance. If you had an option B benefit, what would happen is they would get the $500,000 plus the $200,000. So it really depended upon you. Sometimes they call that option one and option two. It just depends on the company. Right. So what happens is technically you go, well, why would I ever want option A? Because what happens is you get older, you're buying less insurance. You're buying where you, in, when you were young, bought $500,000 worth of life insurance coverage, and that was the premium Later on, you're only paying for $300,000 because your $200,000 is just the return of the excess premiums you paid. And when you're doing that at an, you know, an older age, those rates are basically calculated monthly. Mm-hmm. The, pre- the cost of the insurance is calculated monthly. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're 55, mm-hmm. the cost of insurance on $300,000 of remaining you know, coverage – still probably costs more than when you were paying for 
insurance on 500000 at 25 years old. Yeah, precisely. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's just a cost-saving, you know, cost-management tool. Yeah. 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 So so in this particular case, let's just run with these numbers. If I get down to retirement, I start pulling out this two hundred grand. And let's say that only 50 of it was premiums paid. You know, so I pull out the 50 and then I've got the 150. If I want to get at that without taxes, I have to borrow it out. And they charge you six, my example that I'm using, and then they credit six. And you go, well, why the heck are they doing that? It's because you get the you get that back. It's an advance on the death benefit because you're going to get that $200,000 back one way or another, whether it's the 200 plus 300 deal or the 500 plus the 200 deal in the two examples that I gave. So now what happens is this, is that you pull out too much money and the cost of insurance is now you're getting old. Now you're, you're pulling out that the dough out of that, out of that right. portfolio yeah. and you're paying for $500,000 of insurance and you're now you're 80 years old. Just imagine what that cost is because right. they're, they're raising that premium you know, they don't care how long you've been in the contract. They're, they're, they have a contract schedule premium that goes up every single year as you age for every, every 100000 well, Every month, yeah, yeah sure, for every $100,000. Well, technically, it's done on a year-by-year basis, but it's, it's month by month it does go up because yeah. the amount of insurance changes. Right. But technically, the premium is set yearly. So they, they call it YRT sometimes, um, you know, yearly renewable term. So what happens is this. Is all of a sudden you're going, oh, crud, I can't afford this premium anymore. And then the company says, we don't care. You got to pay the premium. And you have run the cash down to nothing. And then you now have a situation where you have a lapse. So let's say you have this policy lapse. And then all of a sudden they go, uh -huh. Uh, the government goes, yeah, you know, that was a nice trick you were trying to play on us <laughs> all these years. Uh, but you know what? You own taxes on $150,000 gain. You paid 50 in premiums and you had that 150 of gain. You know, just keep it simple. Let's just say that it's still that amount when you do this. Now you owe taxes on $150,000. Well, you'd think, you know, that after all these years, people would be wise to this and they wouldn't be even trying this little trick anymore. Nah, no, nah, they're still trying it. It's still out there in droves. People are trying to sell this type of an arrangement. But it was yeah. real creative. You know, you go, hey, yeah. let's do this thing with real estate do, investment trust. And, you know. Do you remember the acronym that they used to use for that? Not, not with the life strategy, but do you remember the acronym that kind of made its way around to L leap? Uh, pig pal pig pal no i knew leap which was yeah. uh, it was supposed to be lifetime well, economic this is on the, this appreciation is on the REIT, program on but the side oh no 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 like, i don't know so you the pig pal. they called it pig pal mm -hmm. and so the pig stood for passive income generator oh okay and so you know that was your real estate investment trust or you know when it was legal and all that kind of stuff limited partnership uh-huh well you know active losses can't offset passive income. And so that's when you, you know, clicked in either tax credits for uh, low income housing uh -huh. and that kind of stuff. There was packaged investments that you could invest in uh -huh. low income housing and it's through. Oh, that was big. Pass, we did you know, that too. Yeah. And so you had the PAL was passive activity losses. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, all these, all these things sound really cool. Right. And you're like the hip person at the at the club or the water cooler, you know, oh, hey, yeah. I'm doing this pig pal thing mm -hmm. and passive this. Mm -hmm. But they were illiquid. 
Mm-hmm. And if, you know, interest rates shifted like we're seeing now, all of a sudden you didn't have as much passive income to offset. And you're like, I just want the income. And I'm, gonna even, I'm not even worried about the taxes. I know. They went away because you lost your income. I'm broke, but, but yeah. I'm not paying any taxes. So, yeah, there's no shortage of... <laughs> The, the investment community is probably close to the military in terms of creative acronyms for stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really it's really crazy. Well, you remember the low-income housing? I remember the yeah, brochures. absolutely. I was just going to say, do you remember how nice some of those places were? Oh, yeah. I remember the brochures. I was like, right. I want to live there. They look like a, you know, a condo a Taj Mahal. in Orlando off, you know, near SeaWorld or something. Uh, oh, yeah. It was beautiful stuff. And I thought, seriously, this is low-income? that stuff. Did I mean, you? It, oh, yeah. I I you know, I was back when I was on the dark I, side, I, not for the last twenty five. No, years. no, I get that. I was I was <laughs> low confidence. I was a low confidence advisor. Yeah. It you know it was if I didn't get it and I and uh, it was just I don't I don't know I don't I don't, I can't I can't get myself to sell like I didn't yeah. trust it. Yep. But it was because I just didn't understand it well enough. I mean, you know, if you asked the my management, they were saying, Paul, you just need to get out there and sell this stuff because it's really good. Just trust <laughs> us. And I was like, oh. I don't trust anything. <laughs> yeah, that's what 40 years in this business will do for you. Yeah. Or 35, whatever yeah. it is, yeah, you know, is, um, you know, I think that's important. I think that's important to touch on. Yeah. It sounded like a really good sound strategy. What's not to like? I'm generating right. this. I can offset the taxes. And, you know, it. it's a great story to tell. Mm-hmm. But- after several years in this business, you realized why there's an inch thick prospectus that accompanied that real estate investment trust yeah. or the, you know, it's, it's cause the devil is in the details. Yeah. And if anything goes wrong, you know, it, the investor is going to be the one left holding the bag. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have much recourse. No. Because it's, it's in there. And I, I will never forget one time I had a situation like that where, I was invested in something, and it was these concrete houses that were hurricane-proof in Florida. Oh wow! They could okay. probably they could probably use those right now well, because the insurance like. rates yeah. are going way the, way the heck up down, down there. Um, but yeah, so it, it sounded really really good. And then what happened? The guy lost. It was he thought that he said that he had lost three, like three hundred fifty thousand. Oh at wow! First. Okay, it was like three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we brought in a securities attorney, a uh, buddy of mine to talk to him and we're talking, we're blabbing back and forth. And the whole time we're blabbing back and forth that the guy doesn't have a case. He slips a note, uh, to, you know, Jonathan and uh-huh. myself, and he slips it more to Jonathan. than Jonathan slips it over to me, which, and it basically said, we lost twice that. I just don't have the heart to tell my wife. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It was yeah brutal. So, you know, one of those Things that, you know, in the course of the conversation is like, why doesn't he have a case? Why doesn't he have a case? And the, and the attorney just goes, it was all disclosed. It was right. all disclosed. Yeah. The risks were disclosed. You have no case. And that was an, a wake-up call. Um, so the Carl Icahn thing. Yeah, so we we swerved onto that. Well, let's let's come back shoulder. to it in a second. Yeah, totally. Let's come back to it again because it's it, a good very, story. It is very instructive. That's exactly what I was going to say. Were you saying yeah. instructive? It yeah. is very instructive. So just scary. hang on. Yeah, it is scary. We've been hanging out too long. You're listening to the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler along with Evan Barner. We'll be back right after this. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. 
Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything that we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. So Carl Icahn, let's get back to Crossgates Mall. Grew up, I grew up yeah. in upstate New York around Albany region. And we had a mall that we'd go to. Uh, we had a few of them uh, in Albany that we would go to. One was that we would go to quite often was Crossgates. And I was shocked when I wrote, I read the Wall Street Journal this morning and it was talking about Carl Icahn and, um, you know, how the big short, his, uh, so big short was a movie that was talking about how these guys shorted the market back in 07, 08. Uh, and, and basically, I mean, it was like time was not looking good for them. It wasn't on their side at first. And then they just looked at it at the end. So, you know, the market dropped at a time just before they would have lost everything. So, you know, watch out shorting the market. It's, it's pretty dangerous territory. But Icon says, now, now these lost a ton of money. <laughs> the game was rigged. That was rigged. And so often we hear that, that the stock market is rigged. It's a gambling casino. And, you know, it's typically the way I answer that is, yeah, it is a gambling casino the way most of you and the fund companies actually approach it. But, you know, what was your takeaway on that whole thing? Because it was interesting regarding the loans. Yeah, um, what I took from the article was not so much the mechanics of it on the technical side. It was very technical. But looking at both uh, his uh, protege mm -hmm. that had been betting against shopping malls for three years mm -hmm. starting in 2017, which would be pre-COVID, which to me is Which is it's very interesting this yeah. story. Yeah, because it wasn't like you were betting against it once right. you know, they you shut know, down. So they were seeing Amazon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he made some money and lost some money and ended up getting out. Mm -hmm. Carl Icahn then goes short, meaning betting against malls surviving. Yeah, during COVID. Yeah, and and the issue being and, the debt, you know, that they had. Well, that they the were debt, on. and you know, yeah, people aren't going, and so they can't service the debt. They're going to go under, and so right. forth. Mm -hmm. And the what struck me was and now this is perception so this is uh i don't know maybe not familiarity bias you can you can correct me on what i'm using back here mm -hmm. track record maybe but carl icon is not a stupid person okay right and i what i took away from this is it's not you know madoff wasn't a stupid person either he was a crook mm -hmm. but a very smart crook mm -hmm. and Icon, I don't think is a crook. I don't, you don't misunderstand. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you see these people like, oh, well, they've 
They are a billionaire. They must know something I don't know. I've got to get in on this thing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have access to enough information to pull this strategy off. Mm-hmm. Trust me, this guy's got access to whatever information he wants. Yes. The bottom line is he made a big bet on a throw of the dice and he didn't get double sixes, you know. And that was really the big thing that I took from the story is there is no amount of money. There's no amount of intellect that is going to give you the ability to consistently predict the future and so forth. Mm -hmm. Now, he can maybe withstand a loss of $700 million. Mm Mm-hmm. But if all you have is a million and you're getting ready to retire and you lose 700 grand, that is a life-changing mistake. That's really what I took away, not even so much what the loans were used for and so forth. Yeah, and in this particular case, you you look at it and everything in his eyes seemed like it was a slam dunk. Looked reasonable, absolutely. Until somebody comes in and pays an amount for the debt because they bought the debt is what it is. So let's say that you had a mortgage and, you know, you've seen this happen, folks, where you take out a mortgage and it gets sold. And now you have somebody else servicing your house. Yeah. And then you have somebody (laughs) else servicing the mortgage. And and the reason that happens so often is that banks don't want to be on the hook for your loan for 30 years. You know, they, they want their money in motion. They don't want many times just sitting there receiving payments from you. They want to be doing something else with the money. So what they'll do is they will make money on setting up the loan, putting it in place. Then they sell it to somebody else. They've made their money and they walk out the door. And then what happens is you'll have quite often the end investor. And this is something that happens often is where these things are securitized. In other words, they are turned into uh, a mutual fund or something like that, they're turned into something where the public has to go and, you know, they're not, they don't have to, but they go and buy these things and they end up with Fannie Mae's and Ginnie Mae's. And Collateral they, you know, mortgage obligations. Yeah, yeah. And then you end up owning this debt on somebody's house and now you're the one receiving rights to those payments. And the problem that you run into is that the duration on these things can be like really, really long can think of Silicon Valley Bank, you know, when all of a sudden now they have loans that are out there that are, they're not going to come due for a long period of time. Yeah. And when interest rates go up, they come crashing down. And they weren't even in a risky investment, quote unquote, in general sense. I mean, they were in government bonds. Right. But they were such long term that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't support Mm -hmm. the payments. And Mm -hmm. these banks don't tell you that they're switching over or handing it over? It doesn't matter. Uh, mm. Yeah, they do tell you. Uh, you'll 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 get word from from in the mail or, or you know you'll get something like that, and then you'll they'll say, hey, you're you're having this thing. Somebody else taking over your mortgage for you, and and then you're basically paying somebody else, even though you set up the mortgage someplace else. But it's uh, but you, you know, in this particular case, it was just a just bad circumstances, and of course, right. what he says is it's rigged. You know, the the situation is rigged. And here's why, you know, look at it and go, are there ever cases where you could make a point that something is rigged? Yeah, you can, I suppose. You could say that somebody kind of rigs it against you because you can think about the GameStop thing. Right. It was sort of rigged. You had a bunch of small investors that were willing, I don't know if they were really going out, setting out to lose money. In the beginning, when they were yeah, buying that stock, to lose money. I don't know. It's just like you look at it and go, "What was the 
what were they thinking paying that much for that stock? But what they were doing is they were trying to drive it up and drive it up and drive, the, drive it up, drive it up. Well, Ashore Sellers is really counting that stock dropping so that they can rebuy it at a lower price. But they kept pushing it up, pushing it up, pushing it up. And then what happened is by the time the short sell and they had to cover the short, as they call it, they were sunk. I mean, they were off a creek with no paddle because they had to buy back the stock because they had borrowed it and they have to go and give it back. It's like, you know, I use the example often of uh, borrowing your neighbor's lawnmower and you borrow it until he's got to cut his grass again. <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you got a time limit for this thing to find right. a replacement for this lawnmower. Because what you're doing is you're hoping that you sell his lawnmower at 800 bucks, let's say, and you hope you can buy one that looks exactly like it for 400 Before his grass gets too <laughs> Before tall. Before his grass gets too tall. Right. I'm really, I'm really butchering this one. Uh, but it's, it's a good analogy. Uh, good, good metaphor. Uh, so... And he's, anyway, what happens is that it just didn't happen in time for him, and then you've got to cover your short, and you're just, you're sunk, man. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.